reading from Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 5a, page 933 in your church Bibles. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judea, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labour bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace. This is the word of the Lord. A reading from Luke 1, chapter 1, um, verses 39 to 45, which can be found on page 1026 in our church Bibles. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. When she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Lord, I pray that you would come by your Holy Spirit. Help me to speak and give us all ears to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Promises, promises. There's a story about a dying man who gave to each of his three best friends who happened to be uh, a lawyer, a clergyman and a doctor an envelope containing £25,000 in cash. And he said to them, what I'd like you to do is to put this envelope with the £25,000 in cash in my coffin with me when I go. And they all solemnly promised to do this. And a week later, the man dies, and the friends each put an envelope in his coffin, and uh, the three all meet up again six months later. And the clergyman says, do you know, I've got a confession to make. He says, I only actually put £10,000 in that envelope. And I sent the other £15,000 to a good cause, to a mission in South America. And the doctor says, do you know, I've got a confession to make as well. I only put £5,000 into that envelope. And I sent the balance to a medical charity. And the lawyer turns around and says, absolutely disgustedly, I am the only one who kept the promise to our dear friend. I can tell you that I wrote a personal cheque for £25,000 and put it in the envelope. (laughs) It's a silly story, isn't it? 
Here's a question. Have you ever been let down by a promise that someone made to you? I'm sure we all have, both big ones and small ones. In September of the year 2000, I was let down on a promise made to me when I was fired by the company that I was working for for 16 years. Strangely, it all came about because I'd been given a big promotion within the company. One of the senior executives had retired and his job came vacant. I put my hand up for the job and after being interviewed, I got a call to say, great, you've got the job, get going, get started, get behind the desk, off you go. And I said, well, hang on a minute, I'd like to see my new contract. To, you know, what are you going to pay me you know, before I start the new job? And uh, the director of Europe, who I was going to be working for, said, look, just get started on the job. It'll take about five or six weeks to get the contract through HR in Brussels. That was European headquarters. Just get going. We'll look after you, I promise you. I got started. I moved buildings, I moved into the new office, and I started the job. And five weeks later, my contract turned up, and the package that it offered me was worse than the one I had been on before to run a business about five times the size. And to cut a very long story short, after many discussions and toings and froings, I thanked them for the uh, job offer and said I'd stick to my old job on my old package. And two days later, my boss flew in from Brussels, summoned me to human resources, told me I was sacked, gave me five minutes to clear my desk, walked me out to the car park, and in no uncertain terms, told me to get lost. And the fact is that in life, we are all let down by a whole variety of things and people. I was let down by my employer. Right now, I can think of so many things. The television every day is showing all of these Christmas advertisements. And in in essence, they say, buy this product and you will have a wonderful Christmas. Buy this product and your life will go well. It'll be so much better. And the fact is that a huge proportion of the things we're going to buy others for Christmas will end up in the back of a cupboard or in a landfill site because they don't live up to the promise. And of course, we can be let down by friends. We can be let down by football team managers or football club owners, depending on your point of view. We can be let down by our government. We can be let down by family members, partners, husbands, wives, parents, children. Sadly, many of the promises made between those who love one another are subsequently broken. And if we can't trust those who are closest to us, who can we trust? If you put your faith in me, sooner or later, I will let you down. I won't mean to, but I'm a flawed human being who cannot live up to all that you desire me to be or even all that I desire to be myself. So what are we to do? Well, you won't be surprised when I tell you that despite all the letdown, there's actually good news. And the good news comes through our Bible readings because there are answers to all of life's challenges on every page of Scripture, and today's are no exception. So let's turn to our Bible readings. Uh, if you've got a church Bible, um, it's on page 933. If you, it's also printed in the service sheet. And let's look at the prophecy that we heard uh, uh, from Micah prophesying the word of God sometime between 680 and 750 BC. That's when Micah lived and wrote this prophecy. 
And actually, that date is really important because I want you to notice that this prophecy was written approximately 700 years before Jesus was born. And what does the prophecy say? Well, before we look at it in detail, overall, the book of Micah, if you were to sort of summarize it, it says this. It says the bad news is that the kingdom of Israel is going to be overrun by its enemies and effectively come to an end. But in the future, a ruler, a new kind of king is going to rule not just Israel, but to the very ends of the earth. And this ruler will bring a message of peace. And in verse 2, he prophesies that this ruler will start his life, where? In Bethlehem. Bethlehem, out of you will come one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of ancient times. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, God promises a new kind of king born in Bethlehem. Isn't that amazing? And he goes on in verse 3 to say that Israel will be abandoned until that time. And sure enough, Israel was overrun by its enemies. It was exiled. And there's a long gap of hundreds of years between the last book of the Old Testament and the first book of the New Testament and the birth of Jesus. And in verse 4 of Micah, God promises that this new king will shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. Jesus was to identify himself as that good shepherd 700 years later. And it goes on to say that his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Today, that is true. Two and a quarter billion people count themselves followers of Jesus, spread right across the entire world. And in verse 5, he will be our peace. 700 years later, Jesus brought that message of peace. And I'm sure you'll see where I'm going here, because God's word in Scripture, the promises he makes through the mouths of his prophets, are reliable. They're not promises that he breaks. They're dependable. We can depend on them. We might fail to keep our promises, but God always keeps his promises. So let's jump forward 700 years, and God confirms the prophecies he spoke through the prophet Micah when he speaks through the angel Gabriel to a young mother-to-be in a small town called Nazareth. If you've got a Bible with you, it's on page 1026. And the reason I I mention that particularly is because I'm just going to look at a bit of scripture before the passage that was actually read uh, today. Because at the top of the page, the angel has appeared to Mary. And the angel says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is Micah's prophecy coming true. And the angel says some other things. The angel says he'll be called the son of God. And then the angel gives a wonderful prophetic word to Mary which, if you like, is, is, is wonderful confirmation for her. He says, your cousin Elizabeth, who, by the way, is too old to bear children, is now six months pregnant. It's unbelievable, but it turns out to be true. And the last thing the angel says is, no word from God will ever fail. God's word is dependable. 
And what does Mary do? What are three things that Mary does? She believes God. That's the first thing. She takes him at his word. Even though the things the angel have said are unbelievable, she believes him. She gets ready. That's the first verse of the, of the gospel reading we heard. Mary gets ready. And then she acts in God's will. And she, believing what God said, she heads off to see her cousin Elizabeth. And because of the way she trusts God and acts on his promises, God's amazing plan starts unfolding in a wonderful way. Firstly, the Holy Spirit works in Mary's life. So much so that when she arrives at Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth herself is filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 41. And the baby leapt in her womb, it says. And one of the things that's so clear when we read the accounts in the New Testament is that when people take God at his word and believe his promises and act accordingly, the Holy Spirit is powerfully present in their lives. The apostles in the book of Acts believe Jesus' promises and they start doing the things that Jesus called them to do. Preaching the good news, healing the sick, driving out demons. And as they do, God's kingdom comes and the church grows like wildfire. It's almost as if a precondition for the Holy Spirit to really act powerfully in a person's life is faith, absolute trust in God's word and obedience to act on his promises. And there's tremendous activity of the Holy Spirit around the birth of Jesus. I don't know if you remember three weeks ago when I was preaching, perhaps it's a little bit hopeful to expect people to remember three three weeks ago when I was preaching, but I asked everyone to be praying every day in Advent, come Holy Spirit, fill me, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And... uh, And since then, I've been watching over the last three weeks for signs of the Holy Spirit moving amongst the the church family in St. Matthew's. And by the way, this is a small little aside, but um, I don't know if you know this, but it's actually part of my job description to look for signs of God's activity, for signs of the Holy Spirit. When Carol and I were ordained, um, one of the things that the ordinal, which is what you're ordained to do, actually says is this, that we're to proclaim the word of the Lord and to watch for the signs of God's new creation. And a bit further on, um, that we're to be faithful in prayer, expectant and watchful for the signs of God's presence as he reveals his kingdom among us. Well, I've been watching And it's been amazing. It hasn't been hard to see God's hand at work at all. Last Friday, I know Chris said something about this uh, actually last weekend, but the Friday before last, um, we had our first rehearsal for um, the carol service, which, by the way, is at five o'clock tonight. Don't miss it. Be here at five o'clock for our carol service. And, uh, and, And the rehearsal was lovely, but actually what was going on at the same time was the youth Mind the Gap group in the church hall. And, uh, and I was aware it was happening. And so from time to time, before the rehearsal really got going in the church, I popped my head in to the youth group to see what was, what was going on. And um, the previous session of Mind the Gap 
had seen record numbers of about 27, uh, 11 to 14, 25, 26, 27, 11 to 14 year olds coming along on a Friday night to enjoy themselves, but they also learn how the Word of God can help them in life's challenges, particularly the kind of challenges that teenagers face. And they really engage with it. They love it. Well, by the time the rehearsal got underway, the numbers were climbing through the 30s, and I heard afterwards that there were 41 teenagers at Mind the Gap. Amazing. Um, and, and at the end of it, some of them were saying, oh, I'm going to bring my, my friends next time. So I, I don't know how we're going to cope with it. It's just incredible. Thankfully, two people responded last week to Chris's call to come and help with the Friday night uh, Mind the Gap evenings, which is really, really wonderful. And, uh, and I can just so see God's hand on that work. Then on Saturday, I think we had the best ever carols in the square. Um, Dominic Squibb, the new pastor at uh, Southgate Mission, spoke really engagingly to 150 or so people who were there to sing carols. And I met lots of delighted people in the community centre afterwards um, who, who said, you know, I think I might come along um, to some of the Christmas services. I've never been before, which was wonderful. Um, And then on Sunday morning, there were some new families here at St. Matthew's. I learned that one of them had come along in response to our great leaflet drop around the parish. uh, uh, And because they were so impressed by the way the kids' church team goes out and knocks on the doors for after-holiday club and and and, uh, invites them along. And, uh, And I believe that God is really working in and through the church family here. And I think God's Holy Spirit is powerfully present when we believe God's word, when we step out for him, we see signs of him working around us. And because Mary believed God, and because she acted in faith, God unfolded his plan. Think how he fulfilled the Micah prophecy. He used world leaders. He went on Caesar Augustus called a census, which meant that Joseph had to take Mary to where? Bethlehem. To be registered, which resulted in the prophecy of Micah 700 years before coming true. Apparently, someone has counted up all of the prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled in the New Testament, and there are over 300. Isn't that amazing? From written hundreds of years before his lifetime, he fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies. And so to go back to the beginning, the answer to the question which I started with, which was, is there anyone I can really put my trust in? Is there anyone whose promises I can believe in? The answer is yes. God's promise through Micah that one day God would raise up a saviour born in Bethlehem and who would bring salvation to God's people through peace was answered in Jesus. And as Jesus died on the cross, the words, the king of the Jews, uh, nailed above his head. He brought peace between ourselves and God by carrying our sin in order that we don't have to. That's how much God loves us. He's the ultimately dependable one. What all of us seek, but often we seek in the wrong places, is an utterly dependable love that is totally unconditional and totally ongoing. And that can only be found in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ.
It's interesting that in the same year that I was fired from my career job of 16 years, that was the year that I put my faith in Jesus. After what I call my kind of Damascus Road moment in South Africa, I remember saying to my friend Chris, what, what am I going to say to Kirsty and the children? You know, they'll, they'll think I've gone a bit loopy, you know, I've, I've joined the God Squad or, or whatever. You know, this really might not work out very well. And I'll never forget what Chris said to me. He said... If you put your faith in Jesus, he will use you to lead your family to Christ. And I've always thought that was a prophetic word from God through my friend Chris. And it certainly was a powerful word and God is bringing it to fruition. So as we approach Christmas, let's think about Mary's example of discipleship. Of being a, of her example of being a follower of Jesus. She believes God's word. She gets ready She acts on what God has said. And as a result, God uses her to launch his plan of salvation for the world. I believe, from the signs I see of God's spirit at work in and around St. Matthew's, that he is unfolding his plan for this church family and for our communities around us. So let's take the angel Gabriel at his word. For no word from God will ever fail. And let's commit to knowing his word and to acting on it in order that through us and by the power of his Holy Spirit, God's kingdom will come more and more in and through our lives. Amen.